craft and career podcast series featuring conversations with professional creatives from the arts, entertainment, and media industries. Here we explore various approaches to craft and career and even consider how those two can sometimes work together. I'm Derek Webster, Senior Associate Director for Creative Careers at Yale's Office of Career Strategy. And this week, I can't wait to welcome back John W. Beach, owner and manager of Gravity Squared Entertainment and 20-year veteran of the entertainment industry. We're so excited to extend this conversation. John, it is such a pleasure to have you back. Pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me again. So first episode, we got some of the context out, but in some ways we sort of raced ahead and and we were able to extract some of your story, but I wanted to kind of slow us down a little bit and get into both like an industry perspective and and your role in the industry a little bit more of, of those kind of details. So as an example, you're a manager, but also a producing manager. And for our audience, some people will know what that means. Some people won't. Packaging and whatnot. I was wondering if you could give us a little bit of a, a dissection in terms of what's the difference between a manager and an agent? And what does it mean to be a producing manager? And what is packaging? Could you give us some more of those details? Absolutely. I'll, I'll start with what I do, basically. And, and then I'll, I'll segue into agent manager and, and producing uh, as well. So... As I said in the other episode, I manage writers and directors for film and television. And then also I manage film and TV rights for over 100 books. A little bit of what that means is, okay, I'm going to use this example as, and it's going to be the difference between the agent and the manager. So I like to think of agents and and I've been an agent. You've worked at agencies as well. Agents are are more focused on the low-hanging fruit, so to speak. We were agents and and I love many, many, many agents out there. So please bear with me. But agents almost don't want to do a lot of the heavy lifting, a lot of the work, the real work involved in producing this content that writers have. So a manager is sometimes helpful in in that world because A, we, we tell them, hey, look, this is what people are looking for right now. B, we... We'll look at their ideas and and we'll say, hey, look, work on this one right now. This one seems to be more fresh or more sought after or whatever. See a lot of, hey, what do you want to do in your career? Where do you want to be in this business? Do you want to direct? Do you want to produce? Where do you want to be ultimately? So that's that's the big part of the the agent manager side of, of, of that business. I'm here for your career. I'm here to help you get where you want to be. I'm here for the long haul. I'm here to tell you the good and the bad. I don't know if a lot of agents do that, but you know there is reality to this business as well. So a lot of that reality is hard to take sometimes. It's a lot of no's. It's a lot of no, we're not going to give you a producer credit. We'll give you a consultant credit. So it just happens just, just the way it is. So I'm here to help you through that whole process and here for your whole career to build whatever that whatever you want that to be. That's what I'm here for. Whether you also want to act, whether you also want to, when, you know, whatever you want to do, that's kind of what we're here for. Now, producer. So hands-on, right? Yeah, yeah, more hands-on than an agent would be really helping develop, fine-tune, and sometimes package, which I think that you said, part of my job is, is packaging, helping find either producing partners, talent, whether that be a writer, a director, or an actor to make that content more saleable. Uh, basically, to me, I call them value ads because I'm not just attaching anybody to a project. It has to make sense. They have to be saleable. They have to have a name in the business to, to really add someone because 
if you add the wrong person, that could be detrimental. You know, you you could really lose a lot of traction uh, adding the wrong the wrong talent. So that's that's a big part of my job as well. Now going to producing, I I don't produce a lot. Mostly, I'm commissioning my my clients. Whether I'm selling it off completely or you know whatever I'm doing, I'm usually just going to commission that. But with that being said, packaging is a lot of work. It's literally going to a director, an actor, one at a time for months upon months upon months, and it's a lot of a lot of time, a lot of grueling work. Yeah, a monkey can do it, but it's just the same thing every single day, going to different writers or different directors or different talent or different producers. So sometimes when I package, I will come on to produce something, a la the Judy Human Project, which we talked about in the other episode. I packaged that with Sean Hader, and I packaged it with David Permit. Whom you know from working yeah. with the, yes, the, of the course. great Mickey Forever. <laughs> I love David Permit so much. He's such a good man. And I, I love him even more now than I did then, just because I, I don't know if I really ever really got to know him personally. Now, after producing this project with David, he's just, he's such a great man. Such a great man. Yeah. So that answered the question, I think, in three. Yes, yeah, for sure. So you've given us a bit better scope where this lands and, and how you fit into it. You'd mentioned before that there's, you know, the three P's of, of, of the, the import where you're bringing your passion, you're bringing your persistence, you're bringing your um, patience, patience, patience into yeah. this process, right? right? So what else do we need to bring? And I know that's the, kind of the key, right? But um, knowing a little bit more about where you're coming from and where this is landing, what are some of the other skills? What are the, some of the other experiences? What are some of the other, like if you're thinking, you know, first of all, if you're thinking of taking on an intern for the summer, or if you're thinking about bringing an assistant in and, and, and understanding, you know, what, what do you think the mix is? Like, what do they need to have done? What do you, you know, you want to know that they've, they've done script coverage? Like, what, you know, what, what are some of the other components that our, our students should be thinking about in terms of preparing for this kind of career? Well, I'll, I'll, we'll set it in two, in two routes. One, if, if they want to be a writer. Two, if they want to work behind the scenes, kind of like what I, what I do. Now, if, you, if you're trying to be a writer, first of all, you need to write. There's, there's no example where a successful writer succeeded without writing. So <laughs> write and continue to write and continue to write and continue to write. And on the other side of that, read. I expect you yes. to do your homework and read as many scripts as you can. Read Story by Robert McKee. Read Screenplay by Sidfield. Read Save the Cat. Read all the books about screenwriting. Read every script you can. Know formatting. Know what your major plot points are going to be, where they're going to be, and where they're needed. Yes, sometimes you can break that rule, but I think you need to know simple structure, whether that be film or television, especially television. So that would be my recommendation for a writer. For someone that wants to be maybe a manager or an agent or a development executive or a producer, one, read. Read as much as you can. Know how to pick apart a script or a book or whatever. Find the story within that script or that book and know how to make it better. Know how to make it worse. Find out what makes a project successful, what makes it a failure. I'll never forget an early submission I got when I was a junior agent in Acme. Someone sent me Soul Plane. And I remember reading Soul Plane and I was like, oh my God, this is awful. 
I'm sorry for the producers <laughs> of Soul Plane. I'm sorry, you know, Snoop, if you're listening. I'm sorry. It was bad. <laughs> that only came because I've read so many scripts before. I, I think I've probably read 20 pages of it. But you just learn to tell. You learn after reading so many scripts, you learn to 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 really pull it apart and say, this is not going to work. I mean, they made it. So ultimately it did work, but did it succeed is the question. So <laughs> I like to think that that was something that shaped my career was passing on Soul Plane. So thank you. There you go. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Right. Well, and, and, and you were talking too about not being able to identify, but also being able to communicate, sure. right? Yeah. And whether that's writing up coverage, if you're an assistant or, or something like along those lines, or being in the room, being able to talk with a client about being able to explain to them in terms that they're going to be able to absorb and not take as a lashing. Like there's a communicative angle on this as well. Sure. So you've got to both have the ability to cite and the ability to articulate. For sure. And everybody, Derek just mentioned coverage. I don't know if everyone knows what coverage is. Coverage is something that we use every day in this in this business. It's where producers or agents or someone will ask for a detailed breakdown of a script or a book. Now, when I say detailed, this sometimes gets hyper detailed or super detailed, however you want to look at it, but they go into tone, they go into character, they go into plot points. They go into, they literally hit every aspect of this book or of this script and talk about what works, what doesn't work. Will it work in the end? Does it pay off? You know, those kinds of things and whether they were recommended or not recommended. So there were a lot of pieces in, in this seven, eight, 10 page uh, coverage that is completely an essential part of our business. I mean, we, we literally look at coverage every day. Would you recommend young talent looking to break into development on the, the production company side? Would you recommend that they have sample script coverage that they do, that they have versions available? Or sure. if they've done it, but they don't have a sample, should they you know uh, manufacture a sample, like find like a, a spec script out there and do some coverage for it? It couldn't hurt because that's just going to give you more experience in writing coverage. But chances are that production company is going to ask you to do coverage on something that they have. And here's a big mistake I made. <laughs> I, I, I think I was still at Acme and I interviewed with Robert Redford's company, Weed Road. And I think it was maybe 2005. I can't remember when it was, four or five, somewhere around there. And they gave me two scripts to write coverage on. I tore one apart and the other one I kind of liked. Clearly, they loved the one that I tore apart. And they made it eventually. <laughs> I don't know if it made any money. I can't remember what the name of it was, but I remember looking <laughs> back on it and, and saying, oh, wow, that's why I didn't get the job because I tore this one apart. <laughs> you know, we all have different opinions in this business. So maybe that was my mistake or maybe, you know, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I'd, I'd say, yeah, stick to your guns, right? I, like, I think that you have to be honest with yourself first. And, you know. Yeah. I mean, so, you know, Soul Plane <laughs> would have been better if they'd taken your coverage into account. Right. If, if I would have finished it. But no, I didn't finish it. Uh, anyway. Yeah. So I don't know if that was necessarily a mistake, tearing it apart or, you know, because there had to be a reason why they gave it to me, but I did not like it. So I told them that, you know, I didn't get that job. Yeah. You know, anyway. well, Maybe it could be a blessing and a curse. Who knows? Maybe diplomacy too, right? Maybe there's kind of like a, a certain neutrality that goes into script coverage where you can kind of hopefully they used my coverage and said, Hey, let's let's make this better. I didn't see the movie, but it, it did get made. <laughs>
<laughs> so you're entirely LA based. You've been, I've known you since we were both in LA and you're, you're still in LA. So question usually comes up at least like within Yale and Northeast and that sort of thing, LA versus New York. Is there uh, possibilities or would, would you recommend if someone has strong connections in the New York area or family in the New York area, what's your advice and experience in terms of entering the industry in the LA or the New York side. Here's the great part about what the pandemic has done for us, Zoom. I have now sold five projects over a pitch. The the Judy Human project we sold over Zoom. That was a 45-minute pitch, by the way. But that being said, we sold it, so it worked. But these days, writers, you don't have to be LA or New York-based. You can be anywhere because we do meetings like this every single day. Some use Zoom, some use Blue Jeans, some use Teams, some use Google. There are so many portals yeah. like this where we can do meetings like this every single day. So you don't necessarily have to live in LA or New York to, to be a writer or to be a director. With that being said, as we talked in your first episode, networking is essential in this business. How to do that on Zoom or Blue Jeans, I don't know yet. I would like to find that way. <laughs> I would love to find that way, but that's that's essential in this business. That way lies the matrix. <laughs> right. Just trying to stay relative in, in this in this saturated market where everyone out here wants to be a writer. Everyone out here wants to be an actor. Everyone out here wants to be a director. How do you do that over Zoom? We haven't figured out yet. But with that being said, I, I don't think that you have to live here these days to be a writer or a director. There's so much opportunity for you. Now, if you wanted to do what I do or to, to be a creative executive, it's going to have to be LA or New York. I don't know of any jobs that are doing that remotely. There might have been a few here and there during the height of the pandemic, but I don't know of any that are doing that anymore. You're going to have to be here. And you're going to spend years upon years upon years. I don't consider myself successful, but it's taken me 22 years to get where I am. So, And you do consider New York a viable option? Sure. Yeah, there are, there are great production companies in New York. Jessica Chastain's there. There are a lot of great uh, production companies in New York and agencies for that matter. Yeah, I, all the bi-coastals are there, yeah. All the top all the top agencies have a have a, an office there even getting into like the top 20. Mm -hmm. I would say most of them have an office. I mean, Acme had an office in New York. None of us knew who was over there. Yeah. <laughs> it was just Leo Bookman, but and Acme was never even the top 20. I would say they were, you know, were, they were probably closer to 50 to 100. Right. Okay. No, that's good. That's great to hear. Okay. So coming down the stretch, wanted to go back into some of the practical advice and, and that sort of thing. Wondering if we put you in the room with someone that, you know, that, that they're desperate to get into this industry, but they're only going to be able to get one piece of advice from you. Yeah, that's it. And then you're going to, you know, you got another meeting. So what is that one piece? What is the, if you, if you strip it down to that, the singular note, what's the one piece of advice you give them? Derek, you just, you just hit on an hour long conversation. <laughs> and I want, exactly. That, that one piece of advice is going to be an hour long conversation, if not more. Sure. Yeah. I don't know if I can give that one. Piece okay. Then of what's advice. the first? It's going to go back to those three P's. It's, it's, Hey, if you don't have the passion for this, don't get into it. If you don't have the patience, don't get into it. If you can't persist after you've been knocked down a hundred times, don't get into it because that's the truth. That's the real, that's the reality of this business. You're going to get kicked down. If you're not passionate, you're not going to persist. If you're not passionate, you're not going to persevere. If you're not passionate, you're not going to, to make it. I'm sorry. All right. I like it. You really have to, you really have to want it. You really have to want it. I like that. And, and it's an addiction. It's an addiction for me. I'm addicted to this work. 
I'm addicted to working with my amazing clients. I'm, I'm addicted to, to attaching talent like Sean Hader to, to my content. I'm, I'm addicted to attaching talent like Asia Kate Dillon to my content or, or Elliot Page to my content. I'm addicted to that. It's so, it's, it's like the biggest endorphins that you're ever going to get is when you, when you sell something to Alfre Woodard or Nikolai Coster Waldo, who was the, the Kingslayer on Game of Thrones. It's, it's like the biggest high in the world. I think that you have to have some of that. You have to, you have to be a geek. <laughs> it's, it's being a film geek, being a, it's, it's just, it's geeking out on all of that. And it's the smallest thing in the world, but it's, it's the biggest thing in the world at the same time. Yep. I like it. So a lot of decisions get made along the way. This is one of our base questions. So we, we tend to ask like, okay, what a mistake along the way, a decision you would change. People tend to go straight for, I wouldn't change anything because they got me to where I am. Scrap that. Like what was something, at least you look at it and you think like, ah, when I zigged where I should have zagged, like uh, some kind of a lesson that you, we might be able to, to, to pick up from, from your story. Well, I'm going to say, I, I don't look at them as mistakes. I look at them as learning points or plot points sure, yeah. in my life. I mean, we- Does that we mean you only get seven points. of them? Points. <laughs> <laughs> three. No. Uh, <laughs> in TV, it might be more than three. No, there are a lot of places in, in, in my career and in, in other people that I know in their careers where you, you've, you've had to pivot. And I'm not going to say that this was, is necessarily a bad one. I, I think it's, it's a good pivot. You know, I was at first focused on independent film. There's, there's no backbone in independent film. So, you know, I, I failed numerous, numerous times in, in that independent side, trying to find financing, trying to find, you know, actors for things without having any financing. And it's just, it's not sustainable. So having to pivot and just get, you know, I'm just going to work within the studio system. Yes. I will have some independent projects here and there, but the studio system has legs. The studio system has sustainability. You're not going to match that in independent film. I'm sorry, but you know, it's just those, those learning things that you learn along the way, you know, you have to be able to sustain. Yeah. I feel that the only way to do that is to work within the systems. It's a great practical example. Absolutely. And there might be other people who, for different reasons, the indie track is exactly what they're after. But like, I, I yeah. love that specific example of you making a decision yeah. and then, you know, and, and a pivot and, and then you, you keep with it because you learned your lesson. Um, that's great. And then also, I mean, catering to, to more books than I do screenplays and, and directors, you know, to me, I, I learned this along the way, not being able to sell a script or blah, blah, blah. There's value to IP and, and this business thrives on that value. So, you know, making that decision of, of, of having to do 25% scripts, directors, and then 75% books or even more, you know, it's just, you know, along the way, you're going to, you're going to fall down, you're going to learn something from that. And you're going to pivot, you're going to cater to that learning session. And all of your readers are going to be able to, to really recognize that. Yeah, uh, because we've done it in life. Of course, uh, you know, every day, we learn something from a mistake we've made. Uh, or, you know, maybe it wasn't a mistake. Maybe it was Hey, you know, I made this decision. I'm going to stand by it. It is what it is. Yes, I wouldn't do it the same way every time. But, you know, I guess my one of mine is, you know, I left the business for a little bit when I went to IndyCar and trying to get back into the business was very, very difficult. Yeah. I, I interviewed so many places. When you step out of the business of this side of the business for, you know, a couple of years, two, three years, 
you start, you lose whatever momentum you might've had, you lose whatever relationships you might've had, and you just have to rebuild all that. So, you know, coming back to it was, was very difficult, but it's, it's doable for anybody. Well, and you're back and you're stronger than ever, John. I'm, I'm here and stronger than ever. <laughs> so last question, you've mentioned a little bit of it already, but I'd love to get a chance to kind of underline any of the projects on your horizon, things you're super excited about, that, the things that you want, you, you want our audience to know about. Right. I've talked about Judy Human a few times, so we, we won't bring that one up. I've talked about the Will Ferrell Project. I don't know if I really told you what the Will Ferrell Project is, but basically the pitch was, and I pitched it one place, it was Will Ferrell in the World Championships of Call of Duty. That was the idea. <laughs> and I wanted to use the same character that he had in, in Wedding Crashers, Mom Meatloaf. He's still living in the home in the basement, plays video games all day long, <laughs> and qualifies for uh, the World Championship of Call of Duty. We didn't get Call of Duty. We didn't get that character. But with that being said, it's it's in turnaround. It's possibly with, with Sony Pictures now. And we just got Aquafina attached to to star in that with Will. So hopefully there's some momentum on that now after seven years. <laughs> Again with the patience. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I have another another author. Her name is Jesse Sima. Sorry, they, they're non, non-binary. Writes mostly picture books for kids. They wrote a book called Not Quite Narwhal, which is about a unicorn that's raised by narwhal. The unicorn gets caught up in the current and taken up to the top of the ocean. And kelp, the unicorn, sees this majestic unicorn on a, on a cliff. And he goes up to that unicorn and goes, hey, I'm a narwhal. So it's kind of that story. We sold it to DreamWorks. And in, I think, about two years of development, they partnered with Netflix to put that in production. Really excited about that, but really also excited about Jesse because we're currently pitching their second book out to buyers now. That one has Asia Kate Dillon attached, who is also non-binary, and Elliot Page, who is trans, attached to, to star and produce on that project. So really excited about that one. That one is called Love Z. It's about a non-binary robot who goes on the journey to find out what what love is. So really cool show. You know, the robot pairs up with this this curious cat, and they go on these journeys and 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 are basically given examples of what love means to uh, different people. So we're pitching that as a TV show. Really excited about that one too. So and those are yeah, those are all exciting. Yeah. I mean, the, the the other really cool one that I'm I geek out about every day, and, and I didn't have anything to do with it. I negotiated it, but Kathy Sullivan, my one of my astronaut clients, <laughs> one of my astronaut clients is is working on a show called the TFNGs. I'm going to swear here. I'm sorry, Yale. I'm sorry, Mom. This is named after the the 1978 class of astronauts, and they were dubbed the fucking new guys. So we're working on a project with Kira Cedric's company. Playtone, which is Tom Hanks' company, is going to produce it alongside of Amblin. So they're just looking for their partner now. I think it's going to probably be Apple, but it'll be about that 1978 class of astronauts. Really cool scripted series almost like a docu-series, but it'll be scripted and, and acted. Yeah. It'll be it'll be phenomenal. Phenomenal. And in that in that class of 1978 astronauts, there was Christy McAuliffe or something. She died in the, the Challenger yeah, explosion. I, and Sally Ride was in that that 1978 class of astronauts. So really great class of, of astronauts. So that that one's really cool. That I, I love that one. So John, how how could you not get passionate about these projects? I mean come on. This is how could stuff. you not get passionate <laughs> about these projects? So it's it's amazing. This is it, it's it's literally amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you for opening the window, uh, you know, allowing us to, to peek in, see what it looks like on your side, giving some really great advice along the way. We're gonna key it there, but feel free, come back around. I'd love to hear how these projects turn out. And yeah, 
would love to. Always a pleasure to catch up with you, John. It's, it's such a privilege to have come up with you and then still see what's going on on the LA side uh, in your life. I agree 100%. And, and thank you for having me. And for all your writers out there, all the writers that you're listening to this, which I know there's a lot at Yale, keep writing. That's your job. Right. Fantastic. Don't worry about what it's going to be. Just write it. It'll, it'll shape itself out. So I don't have a job if you don't write. <laughs> now that's a perfect punctuation. All right, John. Talk to you later. Get to it. Thanks, Derek. Thank you, John. And for our audience, looking forward a bit, not next week, but the week following. Keep an eye out for our talk with photographer, MFA alumna, and director of undergraduate studies at the Yale School of Art, Lisa Carezzi. Until then, and as always, don't be afraid to use the word career, but always stay crafty.